Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery is a new age beverage company revolutionising the way we look at having a night out with friends. They make sophisticated, non-alcoholic beverages that are sugar-free and full of social graces. Now you can enjoy a good time, love what you drink and love yourself the next day too. Stay high in spirits, keep a clear mind. Cheers to Monday. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm super stoked to have the sister of a very close friend of ours, Tish Banks. How are you, Tish? I'm great, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on and being open and sharing your story. So I've, you know, we've met at a few, like I think we've met at a wedding and a few other, you know, times I was probably wasted when I met you. Uh, <laughs> you were probably wasted too. I don't, I don't remember much of the wedding, that's for sure. <laughs> no, I don't think any of us do, but it was a great wedding, what we do remember. So I'd love to talk to you a bit about your journey with alcohol, if you could talk a bit about that. Okay, well, what happened was I used to own a restaurant, cafe, and I was doing huge hours and I was working really hard. And my partner and I would come home and we'd, we'd you know, drink a lot of alcohol and then we'd get up the next day and we'd go into work with terrible hangovers and we did this probably for for 12 years. Um, mm. At once, at, I needed an operation and I I couldn't take too much time off. So my doctor recommended me to stop drinking before the operation and to, to stop a bit after the operation to speed up the healing time. Mm. And so I had to really stop drinking. And I didn't really feel anything because I felt so sick because of the operation. Mm. And when... Once I started feeling better, 
I suddenly realised that I felt better for not drinking as well. Mm. And unfortunately, I was those drinkers that also smoked at the same time. So I could come home and drink three bottles of wine and, you know, smoke a pack of cigarettes and just feel terrible the next day. Mm. And I was doing this sort of two, two times a week, two or three times a week, and it was affecting my life. It really was affecting my life. And I was starting to get really worried about it. Yeah. So I, I had tried to give up and I think that it's really hard to do that just out of the blue. But because I had this one thing, this operation that I could focus on and take the focus off the not drinking, it really helped. And that's sort of like how it all started. So w- when you start, like how old were you when you started drinking and when did it really kind of take hold for you? Okay, so school like last couple of years of school um and then I went to art school so you can imagine I was drinking quite heavily then and then I worked in restaurants so it was always a thing that you drank after your shift and so from sort of 17 onwards pretty much non-stop drinking yeah you know it was it's just what I did it was my reward it made me feel great so Mm. that's why I did it yeah. I mean, this is one question I ask people when I'm coaching them. When you use alcohol as a reward, when you wake up the next day and you're, you're hungover and you're in that moment, does it feel like a reward then? No, no, it doesn't. And and I hate when you wake up and you can't remember. You might have rung someone or you might have said something to someone and you don't remember it. And Mm. That was probably one of the things that really too that I was thinking this is not a good thing to be doing because I'm not responsible for what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know how I'm acting. And it caused problems, you know. So yeah. that was probably one of the main reasons why I went, nah, I've got to stop this, you know. Yeah. I remember feeling that, I um, talk about it often in this podcast, feeling just so horrified the next day, waking up, always going through my telephone to seeing who I'd called, how long I spoke to them for, trying to assess the situation. Like I kind of knew if that was like a good 40-minute phone call, fuck, I was going to have to text them and say sorry, just just having no idea of what had transpired the night before and it's just such a horrific feeling but something that's so common that so many of us big drinkers go through. Yeah, and I love the fact that you you ring people and you try and put on your sober voice. Oh, yeah. you really that you're sounding sober, but in actual fact, you'd be just, you know, ridiculously drunk and talking absolute rot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I remember so many times, even calling Lisa, your sister-in-law, and she would she can pick me straight away pretty much within the first few sentences. I'll be, she'd be like, you pissed? I'm like, no, I'm not pissed, you know, yeah. and trying to cover it up. And it was just like, yeah, you're right. You know, you try and cover it up. I've got another friend who puts on a posh voice. And I... Yeah. <laughs> Funny, yeah, it's a very, very proper, prim and proper voice, but nah. (laughs) You're not fooling anybody. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I know with you, um, and I hope it's okay to speak about this, but your mum was a big drinker. And my dad. And And my dad dad too. Wow. And we were brought up with very much the have a meal but then get sloshed sort of Mm. attitude. They would drink till they basically couldn't stand up and we were brought up with that right from an early age. So, and I think it might've been the era and the time as well, but that was how people sort of socialized and and handled themselves. That's how they drank. We never, I never watched my mom have 
one or two glasses with a meal and then go away and stop drinking. It would all either be a lot or nothing, which I think sort of taught me how to drink as well then. I think that that has to have an effect. Like it, my, it just absolutely has to have an effect on you, especially as a child with all the mirror neurons and you, you're learning from these people that you're watching that are, that are your mum and dad. And mm. it has to have some kind of flow on effect. So do you feel also that that had an impact on you as well emotionally? As a child, definitely, yes. Uh, being, a, being a child and being around people that are, drinking very heavily it's not you don't feel safe um Mm. you never know what's going to happen and a lot of terrible things happened that I saw and that I had to deal with as the oldest child of I've got two brothers who are younger than me um yes it made me grow up very quickly because there were suicide attempts and there were all sorts of violent fights and stuff like that that yeah were pretty scary and of course then as I got older and I actually started drinking I started drinking with them and for a little while that was fun and then it became another set of problems because it would get out of control and I'd be out of control at the same time. So I can remember some terrible fights and emotional things happening with especially my mum and I drinking together. So, yeah, it's, it was, it's a no-win situation basically. Yeah, I remember that too well myself. My mum is was an addict, not not so much with alcohol, but with opioids. And I know speaking with other um, people that have grown up around addiction, how that feeling of being unsafe and not knowing what you're going to get um, is very impactful on us as adults going into adulthood. And I'm only starting to really delve into a lot of that kind of thing now and just looking at that and the effects that that has on us growing up and then realizing, wow, no wonder I used alcohol as a band-aid throughout my life to kind of cover up some of this feeling of just that um, insecurity that you get or, or the myriad of different things that that kind of stuff, you know, the way that that affects us. And to take away the alcohol, I guess you're left with this, there's a void and then there's also that emotional baggage and the emotional healing that needs to be done. Yeah. Well, I suppose what happened for me is that then I went out with people who were addictive people, who were mm. heavy drinkers, and I put myself in and I, I put myself in bad situations there as well. And I met a, a very good friend of mine um, who's my, as my best friend and she realised that I was getting hurt in the relationship physically and emotionally. And um, she helped me and I started seeing some counselling. This was probably when I was just turning 29 Mm. and um, that really changed my life. I I didn't stop drinking but I suddenly realised that I didn't want to be surrounded by people who were so addictive and there was heroin involved as well. So it was a really scary sort of situation. And that friend is really interesting because she's, been my best friend now for years and years and I'm the godmother to her kids and we were great drinking partners her and her partner and my partner we were all great drinking partners uh, friends and we'd you know have great times because they live in Sydney and I live in Kangaroo Valley and they'd come down and we'd have you know big sessions and all that but over the years their daughter developed really bad anxiety and depression um, especially dealing with her father who is a very very heavy drinker and unfortunately their relationship broke up just about, uh, about two years ago so Lucy and her daughter were, uh, were coming down here and 
they had seen me not drinking and I was, I'm very close to the goddaughter and, and that. And Lucy, my friend, just realised that her, she could cope better with life if she stopped drinking. And mm. it's amazing. But she hasn't had an alcoholic drink now for nearly a year. And even though she's having to cope with, you know, marriage breakdown and um, a, a child that suffers from depression and a, another teenage boy that's, you know, a bit wild as well, she just can't believe she couldn't go back to the situation where she was drinking. She just needs to have that clear-headed, you know, feeling and to be able to respond to things in a positive way and not have the alcohol sort of bringing her down all the time. So that's a really interesting thing that happened because we were, when we met, we were great drinkers and that. And for a long time they'd come down and drink and I wouldn't drink and it didn't really worry me. But just by chance she just decided not to drink and now we have a fantastic time. We just sit and drink tea and talk and you don't really notice the difference. It's probably a nicer experience that we have. Yeah, it's amazing once you get that separation from it. And you were saying before we even started the call that, it, it's been seven years for you. You've been seven years sober, but it doesn't, like after a few years, you sort of don't even think about that. It just doesn't even enter your mind, which I feel like that too. You stop counting. It's just the, it's before when you're a drinker and it's after when you're not a drinker. So I, one thing I found when I stopped drinking, which was amazing, was how much I loved life and how much there were things that I would do like gardening and painting and reading and walking the dog all suddenly became such a much nicer experience. I could really appreciate things. And that was a real joy for me. And, and that's what probably why I think about the drinking days where you drink, you wake up the next day. If you had to go to work, you'd go to work with an incredibly bad hangover or you'd sleep in all day. You'd just be in bed all day and you wouldn't, and you think, well, that's all right. I work really hard. Now I finish work because I work still and I get on my days off. I'm up early. I'm outside. I'm just having a great time, you know, and that's that's the difference between the Tish who was the drinker and the Tish who isn't the drinker now. It's such a vast difference. I've always been a fairly active person anyway, but I just noticed, and I've talked about this a few times before in the podcast, that once you get the, you know, a while of sobriety under your belt, it's like the veil gets lifted in life, mm. like things become, I don't know, it's like the little nuances in life you start to notice, everything's a bit brighter, everything's a bit more, I don't know, the birds chirp a little bit louder, I'm sure of it. <laughs> and you're, with when it comes to relationships and social events, you get a lot more out of them. I mean, I, the idea that you go to a place and they say, do you want a glass of wine? And you say no. Um, to begin with, it becomes, you know, it's a little bit awkward, but it's really interesting. As soon as you've got a glass of whatever you want, like a water or soda or whatever, they don't care anymore and they, they'll go on their merry way. And you end up having better conversations with people, um, even if they're drinking, even if they get really drunk. You still can understand the situation, learn more from people, learn more from any sort of environment that you're in, which I really like. Um, mm. The only thing is I still get hangovers. I call them social hangovers. That's when you go to a party or something and you have to actually work at talking to people because you don't have that instant, I have a glass of wine and I'll sort of loosen up. And I get a really sore neck. So a lot of the times I wake up after a social event with a terrible hangover, like terrible headache, like a hangover because I'm sort of like a bit, you know, tense or something. So that's that's the only downfall. I just have to, yeah. 
but it's so funny. Like sometimes I think, you know, sometimes there's probably only one or two types of um, social events that I find really hard. And I think the main one is New Year's Eve. It's very hard to go to New Year's Eve when the only intent normally is to drink. And that's probably one of the only places that I won't, I tend to stay home. But maybe that's just because I'm getting old, you know. I just, the whole idea of going out just for the sake of drinking, it, to be with a group of people that are just getting, you know, hammered, nah, that doesn't really appeal to me anymore. Mm, yeah, it's so it's nice now to have, I find to still do the New Year's Eve thing, but do it like I have a nice ritual now. Like I'll get like really beautiful tea, just do something really meaningful with the kids or with other family members. This year we wrote, did a little bit of journaling and wrote down our wish list for the year and burnt up our regrets from the last year. So I just think having some rituals as well is a really cool idea to have around those times when there's usually a lot of alcohol as well. So yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what you did? So after you've recovered from the operation, obviously you, there would have been triggers piling up left, right and centre for you. So how did you get through those times? Okay, well, to be brutally honest, I was very overweight and the operation I had was actually like a stomach sleeve to try and lose weight. So th- there was the incentive to not drink because also I didn't want to put on weight and because my whole way of eating and rewarding myself had changed because when you first have that operation, you can't eat a lot and it's a sort of a whole new learning process. So that was a really great way to just change everything up. There have been times where there's been stress and I think oh, I'd love to, I love a glass of wine. Just learn that if you just hold on to that think, stop and think, that thought goes away within a couple of minutes and then you're fine. And mm. you, you can just move on. You can have a cup of tea or whatever you want to do or go outside and you're normally fine. So, but the thing was, I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to go back to being like I was. And I didn't want to like drink all those calories either, to be honest. I just didn't want that feeling. And once you lose the taste of alcohol, there's not much, I don't know, there's not much there to offer you. So I suppose it's been a long time for me and the triggers are just not, not important cigarettes was a really interesting thing though because I was you know a smoker as well and I gave up at the same time so I think probably the nicotine was probably harder as far as places and rituals that I kept on thinking oh I love a cigarette now but that's gone as well which is great how did you deal with the stress of say coming home from work and not having that reward in inverted commas um for yourself did you create a new reward for yourself yeah, I don't. I actually don't really remember. I just think I was just feeling. I think I was feeling better because I was probably coming home and feeling tighter, and going to sleep easier because I wasn't having you know a lot of cigarettes and a lot of alcohol, which sort of tends to, well, the alcohol depresses, but the cigarettes wrap you up. So it was that sort of buzz I used to get. Mm. So I wasn't getting that. So that I'd just probably just go go to sleep, and I just feel so much better in the morning that I'd be happy that I'd done that. I can remember counting thinking, wow, that's two weeks. I haven't had a, a drink and I've done that. And then it was a month and then it was, you know, I, it was never that I would never, but it just, it, I just did it day to day, week to week, month to month. Then it suddenly became a year. You know, the first social event, I remember being a little bit, you know, scared and awkward. And I thought, wow, this is actually quite easy. And mm. yeah, I, I just, it just happened that way. It was great. And because I was losing weight and feeling better about myself, I was buying nice clothes and Life's life just seemed better for me. Yeah, wow. So 
Okay, can I just ask, go back to mum for a minute. Had mum passed mm. by this stage when you'd quit drinking? Yes. So definitely. There was a lot of emotional stuff caught up with my weight and my mum. My mum was a very thin, very attractive woman and I was, she would, you know, especially when we were drinking, always going about how fat I was and, you know, I couldn't wear clothes. Yeah, pretty nasty stuff. And um, I can remember doing some, you know, some terrible, you know, self-harming sort of stuff to myself because I was feeling so bad about myself. Um, my mum died, unfortunately, on her own with a stroke and she was a heavy smoker and drinker at the age of, I think, 71. Got just She just turned 71. And mm. I thought to myself, I don't want to end up like that. So mm. I think probably six months after mum, da- mum passed, I organised the operation and at that point that's when I stopped drinking. I, it, it had always been in my back of my mum's life when I was going to visit her I wasn't drinking I, I would actually stay sober and I realized I could do that and that was actually really good it used to irritate her but it was much better for me so mm, that's interesting I was uh when was it? it was years ago I was listening to might have been an Oprah podcast but she was whoever the guest was that she was talking to I think they were talking about the matrilineal wounds and the mother wound and how we don't step into our true womanhood sometimes until our mum has left the building so to speak did you feel that it helped transform into who you are now yes and I hate to say that but Mm. uh, I'm I'm a woman that couldn't have children and my partner and I we we couldn't even do IVF and my mum was a a lovely lady and I don't want to speak badly of her but she could be very vicious and very mean and I don't realize I don't think she realized how much she could hurt me so when you took that away and you and I went through a grieving process and a forgiveness you know and I think now of the nice things Mm. and I why a lot of the reasons why she was like she was um and my dad was he had MS so he wasn't well so I understand why my dad was so frustrated and 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 drank and that as well so yes it, it was a it was a rebirth it was a rebirth. It was being able to be in my own. And because then I became the oldest of the family as well. So I took on a slightly more motherly role in the family. So that, yeah. yeah. Totally makes sense. One thing I was reading about were these matrilineal wounds that are often passed down through generations. So it's, it, it could have come from great grandmother and then passed down to grandmother and then onto your mum. And there has to be that forgiveness there because that's all that they've been shown as well throughout their life but what often can happen is if you have had a parent like us that have had an addiction problem and there's been times when the parent hasn't been you know they're there physically but not there emotionally often ends up with children that have an inability to self-soothe we don't have that and so we would end up looking for alcohol food drugs sex whatever it is to soothe that thing in us that's missing I guess once we take the alcohol away and take away those things that we use for our soothing mechanism and deal with that that those traumas and those things that need to be healed then we can truly move on and transform and which sounds like exactly what you've been doing and yeah I feel like a lot of people that I work with are in that process of doing that as well which is truly amazing and it's such a, a brave thing to do and to and it's so empowering as well I guess to have that rebirth and to go you know what you know I'm, I'm good and learning how to reparent ourselves learning how to soothe without there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Those extra, the things that harm us. So how would you say you soothe yourself these days without the alcohol and without food and without those things that you may have used in the past? I have an amazing garden, so I... I, I love building things, so I've, I've got a shed full of tools and I build, you know, glass houses and sculptural pieces. I spend every fortnight, I've got two young girls who, are, I, I, they call me auntie, but they're four and 11 and I spend time with them and that's been amazing. So I've had that motherly thing now. It's it's great. I feel like a, I'm a survivory grandmother, which is amazing. Um, so my life is really, um, really great. I, I spend time with my partner too, which is really good. So he was a big drinker and he has just paired back. It's no fun getting drunk on his own. So we, he might drink a little bit when we go out to a place. I'm always the designated driver, but we don't have those big sessions and that. So we, we're getting on really well as, as well. So yeah, I suppose the feeling of feeling fit and healthy and, and free is, is, is the pleasure I get. The projects I do, yeah, and just feeling good about things and just enjoying stuff. Never, it's just so nice not to wake up feeling like maybe I've done something wrong or I've, I've said something wrong. I don't have that anymore. So I suppose that's what I do. It's basically being out in the in in the world, just reacting to people in a positive way is what yeah. I, I find. It's so rewarding, isn't it? It's it's the gift right there. It's just how you feel about yourself and how you feel about just your interactions with people and not having that guilt, not having that worry, that anxiety. It's just priceless. Yeah. I mean, I feel so sorry for my mum because I think that when she lost her mum, she didn't move on. She kept a lot of emotional um, baggage with her. Mm. Uh, and I think she she always felt like the victim. And that's why she sort of projected that onto me as well. But I'm so glad. I don't feel that. I mean, my mum was a great mum. She did the best she could. Yeah. What The way I am now is because I experienced what I did experience. Yeah. I am in a position now where I can help people. I don't have to sort of ram it down their throat. But I am actually in an important part in a number of people's lives, which is amazing. It's such a gift to be like that. But I'm that person who's reasonable who doesn't fly off the handle or say silly things. I'm just there watching, listening. And I, I think that's really good. I think the problem with alcohol too is when when you are drunk, you don't listen to anyone else. Yeah. When you're sober, you listen. And when you listen to people, you get all the answers. You can hear what's going on. You can see what's going on. It's really interesting. 
It's so true. I remember that as well, just not being present when people would talk and often not even remembering what they were talking about half the time. So you have that embarrassing thing of, you know, you go to <laughs> tell or ask them a question, but they're like, no, I, to- you know, I told you that <laughs> already. And yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, just to be rock solid is so amazing. That's one thing that's, I know when I got to my first one year of not drinking, just feeling like, I'm never going back because I never want to go back to that feeling of feeling that anxiousness and that feeling so unsure of myself. I love being rock solid. And to me, that is a greater reward than alcohol could ever be. When we talk about alcohol being a reward, for me, the reward is sobriety. Yeah. And interesting with alcohol, you, you always drink to get to just that happy place, but that happy place is one sip. And then once you have that second, whatever sip it is, whatever point, you don't, you, then you become morose, you become depressed. So it's that weird, like it's, it's not actually as fun as you think it is, which is so strange that why we persist in doing it. I think to drink and eat together in moderation is fabulous. And if you can be, if you're a lucky person that can do that, that's great, you know. I, I was never a person that got up in the morning and drank alcohol. I, didn't, I wasn't like that. But my need to drink was full on and that once I got the taste you'd do any I'd do anything to get another bottle or you know a glass or whatever and that was terrible to feel that way you know I would hide some extra wine so that my partner didn't see it I was thinking wow this is not good this is this is not the person I want to be yeah, absolutely. And it's so good to be able to see that and be honest about it and say, okay, well, this is what, you know, this is what was happening. And yeah, just to not have that feeling is just so fantastic. And it's so great. And you are a testament to, you know, I get a lot of people who will say, well, my parents were alcoholics or, you know, and it just goes to show that you can break free of that. You can break free of those, of that generational stuff that that's holds so many of us back. Yeah, you are an incredible testament to that and just to how well you're living your life now. Your partner, he he's, he's obviously still drinking from what you said. So you don't find that problematic for you at all? No, I mean, no, no, actually, because he doesn't drink that much anymore. I mean, he mm. doesn't really, as I said, he might, he might go and buy a six pack of beer, you know, or he might have a you know a couple of glasses of wine when we go out with you know his mum and dad or but no we don't really have no he, he, from the days when we'd buy you know six bottles of wine and you know share it over a night or whatever no he doesn't do any of that mm. and he, he sometimes says I can't believe how much we drank and I can't believe we did what we did and we worked as hard as we did so he's really happy and I think he he looks a lot fitter and he seems a lot happier as well and that's just by being around me because I don't drink he just doesn't see the point so and how's it affected your relationships because I'm sure I know with myself we'd have massive blues sometimes when we'd been on you know drinking a lot together or having a big drinking session together it always started fun but oh. often would end in a big fight at the end of the night how's how's is that affected your relationship at all we never fight really I mean we might have a few arguments if you didn't clean the bathroom properly or you know I don't know let the dogs do something bad but we don't, yeah, we don't really fight, but we do, we did fight when we were drinking, which is interesting. So I can't even remember the last time we had a big fight. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, completely different, completely different. Yeah, it does wonders for a relationship, I swear to God. Like just even if it's just one person taking the alcohol out, but if you can definitely yeah. dial back the alcohol consumption, it definitely makes a massive difference within your relationship. 
Yeah, I do remember when I first stopped drinking and he wasn't sure if this was a permanent thing and him getting very drunk. And it became very apparent to me that I couldn't deal with it. So I'd just say, well, you just go upstairs I, or, you know, go away and get drunk on your own because I don't really want to talk to you. Um, but, and, a, you know, a few of those sort of nights. And then he just decided that it was really boring to do that on his own. So, yeah, he stopped doing it and we haven't looked back, which is great. So, mm. yeah, it is very, it is interesting, you know. It just shows you that. It doesn't worry me if you drink so. And it, I don't mind if people get drunk around me at all. It doesn't worry me, you know. Mm. Was there any times that you regretted your decision or it's just been all great since you've since all you, great, all great. Yeah. Can I, I unfortunately the, the, the little the girls that I am sort of like auntie to, they lost their father last year around Christmas in a car accident which involved a lot of alcohol. He was driving on his own. And I thought, wow, that's that's really terrible. And that's what we've been dealing with with the girls. And I'm so glad that I've been there for them because I can see, especially the oldest one, um, having to deal with the fact that, you know, her dad died and the fact that her dad died probably because he was drinking. And it's good that I'm there in her life and I'm not drinking and, you know, that she can see there's another way. You don't have to to drink. I mean, it was very sad. He was suffering from depression and it was a very sad situation. And, and it's, you know, it's just it's been terrible for them. It helps not to be drinking, to be able to be strong for them. Yeah, just it's that again, just that being rock solid, being a rock yeah. solid person and being able to show up. Yeah, and, and the thing about when I was drinking, I would get in the car. I, I know I shouldn't have, but we live in a small country town and I'd drive down to the pub and get alcohol. Yeah. And I just think, wow, or I drive home sometimes too drunk. I mean, life is short and you, you want to make the most of it. That's also a great thing to feel like. You don't have to worry. You never have to worry about getting that. You never have to worry getting picked up by the police and doing a breathalyzer. They say, when's your last drink? I say seven years ago or five years ago, and it's great. You know, it's such a relief. Yeah, there's some people in my um, – I've got a challenge going at the moment with um, people that are just about to come to an end, and one of them got breathalyzed the other week, and they were, like, shared within the group on our Facebook group. They're like, yeah, I got breathalyzed. It was the first time I couldn't wait to get pulled up. You know, they didn't get the wave through, and they got pulled up, and they were like – they just loved it. They felt so proud. I had to right. – go to a doctor's appointment today and on, on the questionnaire that you fill out for the doctor's form it's like do you drink alcohol and I always love that no do you smoke cigarettes and no and I just have this moment of feeling quite smug and do you wait till you go to the dent the dentist is the best thing because I think smoking and drinking does terrible things to your teeth and your gums or mainly your gums and it's just my I went from having gum disease and you know lots of horrible things in my mouth to having great teeth which is just fantastic I go to the dentist and I go your gums are fantastic and I just feel so proud you know it's like so yeah there's all those sort of um health benefits that you just take for granted now I have a you know you have a big blood test every couple of years when I was drinking I had high blood pressure my cholesterol was through the roof I was not looking good and now it's amazing it's perfect and I just think wow that's that's great you know that's that's a really good thing and I'm what you know seven years older and I'm so much healthier that makes you feel very smug and happy yeah totally you just seem like you're just brimming with life just like see it and feel it just talking to you and it's so nice just to be around in the company of someone having conversation with someone that's so awake and with it and yeah yeah, it must feel great I think that's why too like with my friend Lucy who's was coming and visiting me who who's now stopped drinking I think that's because we just suddenly realized that we're at that age now where you've got to enjoy life and you've got to be you've got to be proactive and you've got to be happy 
because you've got to be happy for yourself. There's no point not being. And I think when you drink, it's a, it's a, it's a, it makes you depressed. That is probably the hardest thing about alcohol. You might feel good while you're drinking, but the depression the day or two days after is just horrible. You just feel so sad. And that's, that is the one thing I really don't miss. I just, yeah, it was just horrible feeling that sad and being in a, uh, in a, an environment where I was working with people and I was having to deal with customers and that, it makes it even harder, you know, to to put on a happy face. And, and then it was a perpetual thing because then you do all this effort of making yourself feel good and look good and be happy and then all you'd want to do is go home and have another drink. So, yeah, it's a cycle that you just you just fall into and you just, at some points, I just didn't think I'd ever be able to get out of. And I'm just so glad that the cards fell the way they did and it happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you were to talk to someone who wasn't facing an operation, but were feeling stuck, like how you were stuck in this binging cycle, what advice would you give them as a way of getting out of it? If you were relying on willpower, you'll fail. So take yourself out of the environment that you're in. Go for a, like go on a holiday for a week or because well, basically I was out of work for two weeks. I had two weeks recovery. Maybe the two weeks is the right sort of time because you put yourself in a different environment and you just try so that if there's a, well, there was some physical discomforts, not drinking and not smoking and, and that you can just get through that. That, that is probably the, that's probably the way of stopping that cycle is actually taking yourself out of the situation, completely changing your routine. If you can't actually go somewhere, just change your routine, just do something that totally, I'll have a project maybe. And don't mm. look at the head, just look at two weeks, a week, just do short spurts. That's how I did it. I remember very clearly it was like, oh, I'll do it for two more days. Okay. And then I'll do two more days. And I'll go, oh, I'll try and do it for another three days. And then I'll try, I'll try and do it for that weekend because I don't want to get drunk on that weekend that I'm going to do something, you know. And um, it would just work. And it just worked that way. It was just small baby steps all the time, just thinking, now, do I really want to go back to zero? No, I don't. I don't want to go back to that negative. I'm going to keep walking forward and doing it so that's that's probably how but yeah that breaking if if it's a if even it's a mind holiday even if it's just you're doing something different or you take a new hobby up or something just something that you really enjoy mixed and you tie that into the not drinking then suddenly it's not such a willpower thing it's oh I really like that and I'm not drinking either so that do you understand what I mean? Does Absolutely. that sort of make sense? Or? Totally. So it's like the positive reinforcement yeah. of doing, of feeling good, mini steps, and also something to yeah. channel your energy into. Yeah. And it could be as simple as just a hobby or, you know, joining a walking group or, or I mean, I wouldn't, I'd never say go to the gym because I think that would probably just make you want to drink. Um, but, you know, <laughs> but, but that's actually really enjoyable. So there's no willpower involved. And then you couple it up with the not drinking and while I'm doing this great thing or I'm, I'm doing I'm going and doing something different I'm not going to drink and yeah that's sort of that, that and see when I was not when I was losing weight I was feeling so great about myself it was like I'm not drinking as well and I'm not smoking as well now the thought of smoking and drinking would just I just couldn't even I mean the idea of putting smoke down my lungs is just horrible <laughs> yeah so that, that's probably my advice it's like but you can't just wake up on New Year's Eve or, you know, the day after New Year's Eve and say, I'm not going to drink anymore. I, that, that will never work. And I've done that so many times throughout the years. Oh, just, you know, tomorrow I'll stop drinking. I don't think that, I think that's very hard. I think it's like maybe tomorrow I'm going to start doing something and I might try not drink. 
and then and just do that one day. I think that's probably the way to go. And then do the second day. Like little why steps. do you think you failed? Why do you think you failed the other times? Because I didn't think I could do it. I, I because all I all my friends drank. My mum, you know, everyone drank around me. My partner drank. How could I be the sober person? How could I not do it? I just didn't think it would be possible. Mm. But to my surprise, it actually wasn't that hard. And when I say about, you know, when you're in a social sort of social situation, when you walk into a party or whatever, and the first thing they say is, do you want to drink? That was, that was like, fear, I was fear, fearing that. And then I realised that no one cares what you drink and what you don't drink. As long as you've got a glass in your hand, no one cares. And mm. it's just that one thing that, oh, no, I'm, I'm driving. I, I remember I used to say I'm driving all the time. So being the designated driver was the original way that for social events I dealt with not, not drinking. And then it became really apparent that I didn't drink, so that's great. And then no one, no one cares now. It's great. I get lots yeah. of nice tea. And nice, you know, drinks and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so, you're so spot on there too. And when I always say to people, have a little plan in mind. So if you're going to go somewhere where um, you know that you're going to be asked if you want to drink, just have a plan, know your plan, know what your response is going to be and always make sure you have a drink in your hand because most people leave you alone if they see you've got something in your hand. They don't hassle you too much. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's funny because to begin with, everyone was like, why aren't you drinking all that? But I used to drink people, you know, I used to drink all their alcohol. So now they're really glad that I don't drink because <laughs> I don't drink all their alcohol, which is, you know, you, you, know, you can you go to parties, drink three there. It's like, no, no, I don't do that anymore, which is great. So, yeah. So, I mean, that cool thing that you get used to that very quickly and you get, you, you will real, you will work out ways of dealing with that. Probably the one time I found it really hard was on a New Year's Eve where everyone was drinking around me. And I was just, it was just because I was bored. It was like, I don't want to have to stay up till 12 o'clock talking to all these drunken people. And that is probably, so just don't put yourself in those positions. If you think you're not going to enjoy it, you're probably better off to do something else, you know, yeah. making it, making an excuse to do something else because it's not the end of the world if you miss an, uh, an, an event. But I've been to weddings and, you know, big events and I'm and it's been no problem not drinking at all, no problem at all. It's been great. I've had a much better time. I wish I hadn't been drinking the, at my brother's wedding because I can't remember most of it and I can remember their alcohol, alcohol being a real issue at that wedding with, with my mum and, and having to look after her and all that. So, yeah, it's just interesting. And I wish that I could talk to my mum now and 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 try and, and explain to her that, you know, she because she knew I don't think she wanted to be the way I don't think she wanted to be so dependent on cigarettes and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And um but I don't think she ever thought she she always thought that she had to because it was her reward and it was because she was looking after dad. That was her only good thing in life. And yeah, it's such a shame that I couldn't have said something to her she was probably dealing with her own traumas as well and didn't you know maybe didn't know often with that older generation there is it's harder for them to express themselves because they weren't brought up to do that so again to self-soothe for those for that older generation was often with alcohol which is really unfortunate if you could go back and speak to her now what would you say I would say to her mum you I'd say you could just not pick up that cigarette and you could not drink that drink and you could not fill your house full of alcohol and cigarettes, which was also a problem because there was a never endless supply, but you could 
sit out on the balcony and look at the garden or you could um, go for a walk or we could do something. That would be what I'd say to her. I think, you know, alcohol was everywhere with, with my mum and dad. Like, you know, you go and you walk in the door and it would be a drink in your hand. And I can remember that when I was a little girl, when they used to go to her mum and dad, they'd all sit around in the lounge room and they'd all have their scotch and dries and their vodkas and all that. And we'd sit in the TV room and we'd have a lolly cupboard full of chocolate that we could eat. So that's how we were brought up. And then my dad would drive home, probably really pissed, which, mm. you know, what, what happened? The car full of kids. So, yeah, yeah times wow. have changed. Yeah, and thank God they have changed. So, Tish, just in closing, if you could go back to, I ask everyone this on the podcast, if you could go back to speak with 17-year-old you or younger version of yourself, what would you say to her? I would say what you don't try, what you don't experience, you don't miss. And and I know that a lot of younger kids now don't start drinking because they they all especially all don't start smoking because they realize that it isn't good for them I would just say that but I did and I enjoyed it and I had a great life you know I've had a great life up until now and I don't regret it so so I, I don't know I just I just I don't know I think yeah I think the only thing that upsets me a little bit is that maybe my drinking stopped me from being able to have children or contributed to me not being able to have children and I really wish that I could have not drunk and given that more of a chance. Um, I probably might not have because I had endometriosis and there's, you know, that is a physical reason why you can't, I can get pregnant, but you can't carry children. But yeah, that's probably my only regret. And if, as a young person, I would say, well, maybe don't hit the alcohol, maybe try and have a child. And then, I don't know, I don't know. That's, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I don't know what I'd say to myself, really. But <laughs> yeah, happy I'm here where I am now and, I say to myself now, good on you. you, you're doing well and I'm proud of you and that's how I feel about myself now. So that's probably the most important thing. Live in the moment, I think, is, you know, you can't regret what's happened. You can only look forward to what's going to happen and just enjoy what's happening now and at this very moment. So that's why I wanted to talk to you because mm. I feel good about it I wanted to share it with other people. Yeah, you're so amazing. And I could just, oh, you, you, as I say, I could just feel your positivity. It's like radiating out of you. And I just think, well done. And what an amazing achievement. And, and thank you so much for coming on and being so open and sharing your story. And I'm sure it'll be a huge inspiration to everyone that's listening. Right. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tish. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.